For those who don't know me or are new to this podcast, I'm the co-founder of a plant-based portable coffee creamer called Unicreamer. I started with my sister, Elise, and we have been through everything from financing to a Kickstarter campaign, finding the right manufacturer, an accelerator, and even filming for Shark Tank. Not airing, but filming. And I'm here to basically help you avoid mistakes and answer questions that you just don't know when you're starting out. I want this to be a no BS podcast. I'm not going to spend five minutes selling you something, but if I get a little sassy in the future, you never know. This podcast is also sponsored by the Asa Collective, the fastest growing women's podcast network with the goal of helping ambitious women monetize. Hope you enjoy the show. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with Christina Carlson. She is the product guru, literally. She's an expert in bringing CPG products from start to finish, from making the product to into Target, to into Amazon, into Bed Bath & Beyond. Um, she's kind of figured out the science behind how to do that. Um, so I'm so excited to talk to you today. Yeah, me too. It's great to be here. Thank you for having yeah. me. Cool. Um, give, I'll give you a little of my background really sure. quickly. So I started my career, um, I ended up I'm from Chicago originally, okay. um, born and raised, lived down in South Florida now. And um, my career basically for the last 15 years, I've been doing exactly that, bringing products to market, working with product teams um, in the corporate world mostly, and have been working with some smaller um, entrepreneurial, small companies, and also some entrepreneurs. The one thing that we noticed was that so many people, so many entrepreneurs had so many questions about, I have such a great idea, but what do I do with this? Where do I start? Right. Right? And, and everyone wants to know, and it seems so sexy to come out with a product, yeah. um, but everyone has to realize the time and the investment mm-hmm. that it takes to do this. Even in large companies, it takes a minimum of 12 months, if not longer, 12 to 24 months to actually develop a product and you have teams of engineers and food scientists and everything else, and it's just incredible. Yeah. So yeah, That's, yeah, it's unreal, and and how you've mastered that. And we were talking earlier, you guys, because I think when you start any product or you're making a clothing line or a, new, a brand new shoe, obviously the goal is like I want to put this in Target. I want to get into Whole Foods. You know, like that's that's why you're doing it. You yeah. want to be everywhere, and no one really understands that that can also be the one thing that can put you out of business too. Correct. So I, I, me and Elise, we just have these negative experiences retail. And I think we'll we'll go into like the trends of, you know, what's going on now. But just a little background, when Elise and I um, joined an accelerator, um, we basically were in this accelerator with six other emerging brands. And we were all anywhere from six months to five years in business. Some of us were in over 500 retail stores. Some of us were just e-commerce. And Elise and I, we were like, we have the perfect Whole Foods product. We have mm-hmm. the perfect Sprouts product. Like, goal, six mm-hmm. months, let's go. We got in this accelerator. You know, it scared, retail scared us. In fact, yeah. we had these two founders who got picked up by 40 stores and they went out of business within the next two weeks because they couldn't sell and that was all their inventory. And it's kind of like you get one chance. So right. there is such a science behind how to get into retail these days so let's like dive into that so if i am coming out with a new pen this is going to be like the best pen it's going to be in target it lights up it cures hangovers it cures cancer like i wish yeah right like this is the pen what what would you suggest like how do i build that into my initial 
Yeah, and, and it all starts with, and this is what I've done for a living, is distribution strategy and how you price your product and keep it profitable. Because the last thing you want to do, and so many small businesses do that, is they just don't put enough margin into their pricing to be able to cover all the retail expectations that happen and all the different covered costs, right? Right. There's, there are freight costs. There could be cash discount costs. There could mm -hmm. be returns, defectives. And those type of things that you have to consider. Yeah, there's so many, there's so many different terms that you should know. And yeah. Shelf space costs money. Right? Yeah. And so rule of thumb, and what I would tell anybody that is coming up with a product, start small. We live in an age where online sales are so predominant. Even if you look at the holiday season at Target and at Walmart, they're doing almost half their sales online now. And so people are looking online and then they're picking up in store. So they have that right, they have that great part. People still find in store, but we have the luxury of starting small and testing things out at this point. Amazon, right, right is a great example mm -hmm. of that. But again, with Amazon, you have to really think about your pricing. My rule of thumb that I tell entrepreneurs, from your cost, be at a minimum 4x your cost when okay. you look at your retail price, right? A minimum right. of 4x. If you're five or six, even better. Right. So, because you have to put all that you into your You've got to factor all of that in. Yeah. Correct. And, and that's something that's really hard to even think about. And especially when it comes to things like freight and shipping too. Yes. Even when you're e-commerce, you have to factor in like Absolutely. that much. And so when it comes to retail, add on to that yes. just because you have no idea what your what chargebacks are what you know what all these things are so um and do you have a course i'm sure you have a course on all this stuff yeah we actually put together um called it's called light bulb to launch okay. and actually if you go you know go to productgurus.com you can actually find it there and we're revamping it right now to actually turn it into a mastermind okay oh, that's so cool. so this way because it's one thing to have a course and to go through it as a diy it's another to actually have the interaction and the accountability. Right. And so that's actually what we're looking forward to launching, obviously, at the end of the year. That's really, really awesome. Yeah. I actually haven't heard of a mastermind that's purely for brands that are trying to launch into the Correct. And launching that's physical really products and everything. Yeah, exactly. That's so that's, awesome. yeah, so that's, you know, that's what we wanted to do and say, because we obviously, being from in marketing, we have to look at what is the need. What's the need of the consumer? What's the need of the client? And that's the need that we've been Right. So coming from a brand that, you know, right now we're doing really well on e-commerce. Mm -hmm. What do you, do you think that when, when should we consider going into retail? At what point, like, should we be a multi-million dollar e-commerce space? Should we start factoring larger retailers? And now should we start with small retailers? Mm -hmm. Like what would you do at yeah. this point? Exactly. So the way I look at it is, is this. So you have to decide, right? Uh, testing it online and having that validity is great data to have when you want to take it into oh, a retailer, yeah. right? So if you look at something like this, CPG or a food product itself, right? Um, you would probably want to start, obviously you can start online and that's what you did. Right. Grow that base to at least, you know, I would say if you could get to a half a million dollars to, you know, to, to possibly seven figures, okay. that's a great place to be because you have the data points to convince a buyer that your product sells and people are looking for it. To have it on Amazon and build it into a six figure product 
also gives you the validity. People are looking for your product. Totally. And so what you would do, I would start small. Again, from what you said too, going into 40 stores and then you know going out of business, you have to consider the inventory and you right. have to negotiate that. Retailers love new, different, and unique products. Right. It goes back to your unique value proposition. How are you different? They also want to be, Target wants to be different than Walmart. Right. They don't want to be selling all of the same, right, same items. Right. So how do they differentiate themselves? So yeah. if you take a look at that, what you really have to think about is who's my target consumer? Right. You know, if we look at it, it's probably predominantly female, right, for, for Unicreamer. Right. Would be female, probably like mid, you know, say 40s, 50s, let's say that age group. And where do they shop? Where are they looking for these products? And that is how you start to build your distribution strategy. Then you start to go into some of the smaller regional players, to the natural food stores, right? Then start to think of the smaller um, regional grocers and specialty grocers, something like Mariano's we talked about in Chicago. Right. HEB down in the South, right? They have 350 stores, so you start smaller. And then it really is important to negotiate what does that look like if it doesn't sell? Are you able to get the inventory back so that you can resell it? I mean, how does that work, right? So those are the things that really have to be considered. And what we talked about too with the broker, that's where a broker can come into play too. Okay, yeah, I want to get get into that. So that's like really interesting though. Like, let's go back to e-commerce. I think a lot of brands are growing on e-commerce. And what I've noticed personally, we're in a few retailers and they love data. They like when you make their life easier. If you can come in and say, I think my product would do best here mm-hmm. because our target age group is this and they love this food Correct. and it would complement this food because and we know that because they bought $500,000 yeah. online and are, they've been subscribing for 12 months. Yeah. So that data is invaluable and I think 500 to a million is like a really good number mm-hmm. to put on that when you should be considering going into retail. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would help with trade spend because trade spend is basically um, setting up tables, setting up sampling tables in stores, supporting promotions. But if people already are looking for it mm-hmm. from online, that takes yes. that cost down significantly. Yes. You're creating the demand. Exactly. You're bringing traffic to the stores. Right. What's interesting about the whole Amazon piece of this, obviously we all know Amazon acquired Whole Foods. Yes. The trend. Insanity, by the way. Exactly. It's like genius. Yeah. <laughs> Who runs the world? Girls and then that. And then it's fun. <laughs> Correct. But if you take a look at it, they're, they're data-driven. That's all they do. They have data yeah. on everything, on every purchase. And they now know, and, and this is what I've heard in terms of the trends, is what's happening now, they can literally go and say, well, guess what? This, this brand of cream cheese is selling really well down in Atlanta. Yeah. It's online. Well, let's say it's not refrigerated. We'll, we'll, we'll use a different version of like unit you creamer. It's selling so well in the southeast and in Atlanta. Why don't we put it in the Whole Foods stores in Atlanta? They can make those decisions geographically now. So if you are doing really well and killing it on Amazon at this point, there's a really high potential that you could be placed in a Whole Foods. Wow. In those categories. Do you have yeah. to be so? With Amazon, that, that's really interesting. With Amazon, there's vendor central and seller central. So yes. seller central is something you set up as a vendor. So yes. you're doing all the back-end work. Yes. FBA can still ship it out for you, but you're setting up your online shop. But 
Vendor Central is where they actually purchase from you, Correct. and then they sell it almost like a store would. Yes. At wholesale prices, Correct. right? Yeah, they do. Okay. So do you have to be on Vendor Central for like a Whole Foods to pick you up? You know what? That's a good question. And I don't think that they've even gotten that far at this point oh, wow. in terms of what they're doing because this is all just starting to kind of come to fruition okay. right? because it's just so new. Um, no, I think that if they see at this point in time that you're selling six, seven, you know, seven figures, you're selling a million dollars of a product or a right. product line, they're going to take notice. I suppose it doesn't matter, right? No, it doesn't matter at this point. Money. I, I, money's money. At this point, what they'll do, obviously, if it's a fulfilled by Amazon, they already have it in warehouse. Okay. They can easily move it from warehouse into store, okay. so it's fulfilled by Amazon. So you have the when you're a vendor central, okay. you have the luxury of them having inventory in the in the DCs, right, the distribution centers, okay. and being able to move it anywhere. Okay. Um. So. It's also, you get the fulfilled by Amazon, you get to do A plus pages, which are your marketing pages, you get all of that to okay. do right with the fulfilled by Amazon. So I was, my assumption at this point would be, you should probably be a fulfilled by Amazon at that point. Right. If you've grown to that point, then yeah, then it's worth going into Vendor Central. Right. And I think it would make your life easier too. So that's really yeah. interesting, you guys. Like if you're starting a small brand and perhaps your goal is Whole Foods, like maybe you're working another job and you're like having your family run this, if maybe just streamline the process, really figure out mm -hmm. Amazon, hire someone for Amazon yeah. and have that be your plan yeah. if they're so connected. Right. Like that is the goal. Yeah. Um, not too shabby of an idea. Right. We brought someone on just to do Amazon for that reason. Right. It's just so, right. It, it leads to a lot of other larger opportunities. It does. And you can even have your landing page point to Amazon checkout too yes. on your website. So right. everything is actually being checked out. Right yeah. that. If that's the route you want to go. I mean, we're like a, a lifestyle brand more, uh, a little bit more. So we do have a community of women that we like to communicate with, which I think is a little different. But if you want to be this mass product right away, um, that's really, really cool. And the thing too is 50% of product searches happen on Amazon yeah. for physical products. Right. So people are not defaulting to Google. They're defaulting to Amazon right. to look at the product to see if it's available and if it's right. for sale. And then it's all about searchability. Are you on page one? There's a whole That's you know, so strategy. True. I mean, I, you know, when I started eating humor, I went from like, having money to not having money. So I went and got all my bathing suits on Amazon. Yeah. Everything that I yeah. use on Amazon. But I got my cutest $11 to $15 bathing suits on Amazon. <laughs> exactly. It was really great. I'm like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking before? Like, anyway. And you're prime and it's and you get it really exactly. fast. You don't have to walk into a, you know, a department store. To do yeah, it. it's unreal. Um, so yeah, really, really cool. I love that advice. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on to... There's two things I really want to touch on. Sure. One is, um, one is broker and distributor, mm -hmm. and then the other one is food service versus retail. Oh wow! Well, yeah. So let's start with broker and distributor. When should we start getting? So the broker piece, when you start looking at going into retail, and we're talking like like I had mentioned, you know, the, the Marianos of the world, the Publix of the world, right. um, that those regional to national grocers it's great to have the broker who's basically your sales rep. They have built these relationships. And if you take a look at them, a lot of them are specific to certain accounts, right? Yeah. So if, they're, if they live in Minneapolis, 
they handle target and that's what they manage mm -hmm. um, because they know all the different buyers and all the different categories they can easily um, you know get an appointment to yeah. get to get your product in and it's a matter of just convincing them they love your product they will be your biggest advocate. Right. You pay them on a commission percentage basis of okay. all sales that they that they get into the stores. Right? Okay, that's interesting. I heard um, there's I think there's a lot of new brokerage companies that are coming to light where they're helping emerging brands since there's yes. so many, and they're doing it on a really low cost structure. They are, um, but it's still a lot mm -hmm. for a new brand mm -hmm. to handle. Like. Some of them are five thousand flat a month instead of commission. Some are, you know, I, I'm not sure, but it's, yeah, it's varied. But yeah, I, the, and the, you're absolutely right. I have heard that some are just commission based. Yeah. Um, now again, I think that depends on volume um, and how much there is. They'll start you out with, okay, we need a kind of a fixed monthly fee because obviously they're not getting any revenue at right. that point. But the minute it goes in and it starts to go into eighteen hundred Target stores. They're going to be paid on all of that that Target had ordered. So right. the five thousand dollar fee, or you know what what they charge, eventually does go away. Right. Um, it's worth it. It's much easier and much faster for you to do it that way than to try it. You know, try to get there yourself. You right. can. You can. But it's just having them and having a reputable person. Right. Do that. Someone who has a relationship. Correct. I mean, a lot of these store owners and managers, and they're they already have built a relationship with these people and they're not going to bring them products that don't make them money. They've already looked at the margins for them. Yeah. So it all makes, it makes their life yeah. easier. So but the biggest thing is your pitch, your yeah. pitch to the broker is the same pitch you're going to give to your buyer. They're going to poke holes at it. You have to have your ducks in a row. Right. Totally. And that's one of the things that we teach in the person. What does this look like? Right. Um, what, do, what does a buyer want to hear from you? Right. And data is one of those things, data right? Data, data talks. Thinking. <laughs> um, okay. And let's, okay. So the difference between, I had a distributor, I'm going to give him a shout out, um, yeah. Ryan from Norman Distributions. He's awesome. And he was teaching us when we first started this business um, last March, the difference between a distributor and a broker. I'm like, why do I need both? I don't get this. Like, right. don't you guys distribute it into the stores? And he's kind of like, think of a distributor as we're just the trucks. Yeah, we're the trucks. Right. We we have the products. We're the trucks, but we're not going to get you into the store. They're placing the order. They're they're, they're they're fulfilling orders basically. Exactly. Yes. So they kind of can hold your product. Yeah. They'll buy it, and then the brokers sell it. Yeah. So that's the main difference. Yeah. And what's interesting because there there's such different hybrids. Right. There are distributors. There's one up in Green Bay, actually, Wisconsin. That um, they also have their own sales force. So if you if they take your product in and they're your distributor they will actually still sell your product to different accounts, right? So okay. there's, there's such hybrids. And there's, there are people that are just distributors. What they basically do is they take your order that comes in, let's say, from a Kroger, right? Yeah. They take via usually via EDI, right? They take the order, they fulfill it, and they ship it to the stores. And they take care of all of that for you. Right. Either the distribution centers or into each store individually, depending on what the requirements are. Got it. Um, your sales, and they, they work for you, but... At the same time, they're kind of brand agnostic. It doesn't matter to them. They carry, you know, different products, different brands, and they're just fulfilling. Your sales rep is really representing you and the brand. Right. And they are literally selling it into the different accounts. Right. So behalf, yeah. there's a lot that goes into it. I think, mm -hmm. I think the most important thing to remember is if your goal is retail, 
And this is what I've seen a lot of successful brands do is they have a plan of action where it starts small. Like you start in a region. If you are in Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. start in Wisconsin, start selling to some of the smaller health food stores near you, some of the coffee shops, just walk in, make it a really professional meeting. Do your research before, you know, and, and also... Um, making it more professional and doing your research. There are so many new brands yeah. coming to light right now, and they're all just trying to walk in and do the same thing. The more you can stand out with that energy, um, just go in there and say, like, listen, I'll even just put this. If it doesn't sell, it doesn't sell, but I would love to partner mm-hmm. up with you. How can we help you? How can we put, put a demo or fun event together yes. for you? Yeah. Um, so that build those kind of relationships and then measure that. So, mm-hmm. like, maybe five health stores, five gyms, five coffee shops, which is kind of like what we're doing in Chicago, and then measure those results. We know that we don't have the capacity to do a lot of trade spend. So when it comes to us with grocery stores, Mm -hmm. we don't perform that well, but we sell out in gym health clubs. We sell out in coffee shops. We sell out in smaller food chains, but guess what? Big grocery, not really for us yet. No one knows who we are. It makes no sense for people to buy it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this type of data early on, this is something you can do to be proactive. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, hopefully you'll have some brokers and distributors coming to you. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And you really just have to think about it. It goes back again to your distribution strategy. If you're in a niche market, you don't have to be in a mass grocer, right? To, right. to, to really sell and maximize and, and become profitable and become, you know, successful. Right. You can stick with niche players. If it's, if it's a health food and it seems like whole foods is the place to be, that's where you, you know, really focus. And yeah. you don't have to be in every Whole Foods. You could be in regional, right. um, you know, areas. Right. So, and there are ways to do it that really start smaller and you don't have to take the big risk of the inventory. Yeah, exactly. And I think learning from, like, people like Christina and, like, our accelerator is, you know, with Elise and I, with Uniprimer, we built it into our projections um, after two years to be in retail. I mean, right. we've already been year one. So, mid 2020 is really we're in retail but is really our retail plan that can always change you got to be open-minded mm-hmm. about that but that's where we have it built into our plan we mm-hmm. have it to where we will not run out of inventory at that point mm-hmm. you know for us at amazon we we're running out of inventory yeah. and amazon we talked about this in another episode penalizes you for that yes um and so yeah build it into your plan do not be unrealistic like you want to go fast, but then you also want to go slow enough to yeah. where you're not screwing yourself over. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and then you take a look at larger, some of the larger, um, like the Costco's of the world, right? Or you look at wanting to be on QVC or wanting to be in those places. Right. There are a lot of things to consider there that we have to think about. It's like, you know, once you get to that point where you start selling and you want to go to those type of platforms, you know, but it really is not a guaranteed sale. So those are things that you have. It's really smart planning up front and really to get someone involved that really knows the retail market to help you. So you don't make right those right. mistakes right. Um, and you're really being conservative with your planning. Totally. Um, okay. Let's move on yeah. because I think if, when I started this and I think a lot of my listeners are probably that you were staged probably a lot, but just like bottom line, yeah. summarize it, build it into your plan, figure out, do you want to do Amazon or are you more lifestyle and you want to focus on both like your website and Amazon and a community. And then also build in, you know, what types of stores you want to test first. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and then also sign up for Christina's course. Because probably, <laughs> um, she'll probably make your life easier and save you yeah. a lot of money in the long run, um, exactly. which is the point. 
and you know, if anyone has questions, they know how to reach me, right? Exactly. So and and can do that, and not you know, not a problem at all. I'm more than happy to answer questions. Totally. Um, okay, we gotta. There's a, a couple other things I want to kill. Yeah. Um, what was it? Oh, food service. Yes. Okay. What? So, obviously, as a portable plant-based coffee creamer, mm-hmm. like offices, airports, mm-hmm. duh. Like this is our right. market. Right. Um. What is the difference between selling into like Target and selling into food service and Costco? What's yeah. the difference? The selling process is similar, right? Yeah. It's a different channel. It's different brokers, you know, that focus solely on commercial sales and commercial, right, kitchens or restaurants or things like that. Um, the show, it's, it's not as much consumer focus. It's, it's a business to business sale, right? Yeah. Sometimes you find them to be easier than actually business to consumer, right? So right. consumers, you know, there could be a little nitpicky, but if, if businesses, you know, B2B or commercial sales see trends happening and people are asking, this is something unique. And the thing, what's great about it is they can purchase it, you know, a restaurant group can purchase it and they could have multiple chains of restaurants. Right. They have 10, you know, restaurant names under their umbrella. Right. If they buy it, they're buying it for quite a few of those chains. So it's a nice big bulk order once it comes in. You don't have the big challenge of returns and defectives and all of that. So the cost structure is very different. Usually a little bit more affordable than actually going through the retail process. Right. And like, do you still have to demo to these people? Okay. Yeah. You would, you would still have to do it. The similar process in terms of putting your pitch together. Um, you know, what, what they want to hear too, is this is what consumers are loving. We've been selling it. This is what they've been saying because obviously they want a proven product to say, all right, there's really, you're minimizing their risk to take it in. Um, if they know that this is selling and Mocha is your favorite, uh, Mocha is like the consumer favorite, they're going to take Mocha in to have within the, right, within the stores, within the restaurants. Right. But, um, but when you're, when you're in, um, Whole Foods, for instance, you have to do demos and set up tastings. Yeah. How does that work? Like, do you have to set up, you can't like set up tastings in these offices that you get in these big offices or these big restaurants. So I'm almost thinking food service is better because. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do. There's no. not a lot of trade spending. No, because what you, the, it's always more expensive to go the to the business to consumer route. Okay. And selling to consumers is always the most costly thing because people don't know about your product. Right. It's risky. If you bring it into an office and that you know that office manager orders it, all of a sudden it's sitting in their kitchen. It's sitting in their cafe, and everybody gets to see it. So your acquisition of awareness is much lower in a commercial setting. Think about how many people, if you were to have it in Starbucks, how many people walk in and out of Starbucks that would see your product every single day or the gym or anywhere else? Yeah. Tons, tons, hundreds of thousands a day. Right. So that's really interesting. Um, I think, you know, it's just, do you still need a distributor? Do you still do you still need a broker to get you into these places? You, it, it would probably be ideal to do it just because they have the relationships and there's okay. so many different channels because you're looking at, you know, you can, there's obviously what they call the NRA. It has nothing to do with the guns. Yeah. The National Restaurant Association oh, actually does a big show here in Chicago okay. um, in May. And so to be able to be a part of that, you're talking about a lot of commercial buyers being at that. You know, it's a great way to feature your product and have a lot of eyeballs see it. Um, 
hotel groups is very different. You know, it's like my, my old company that I used to work for, we had an entire commercial hotel chain. Okay. There, you would definitely need somebody to help take it in because how do you go into a now Marriott, which is also Starwood, where do you even find that buyer? Yeah. You know, to be able to get it across the globe in every Marriott hotel that there is. That's when you would say, all right, I need someone who knows this, who has this relationship. Yeah. Totally. When it comes to margins, mm -hmm. um, what type of margins do retailers want? Yeah. All depends on the actual um, account. Okay. Right? I, rule of thumb, always build in at least 50% retail margin. Oh, wow. It seems like a lot. Okay. But there are those, you know, there are, there are retailers that run it on 30% and there are retailers that run on 55%. It just depends. In grocery and in the grocery channel, it's usually a bit lower than that. Okay. So 35, I'd say 40% is a good average to use, but I would buffer because you just never know with trade spend and everything, right. you're at least building that percentage in there right, right away. So if you're at the 50% margin, you've got buffer for trade funds. Okay. Let's say I have a, a new Coke bottle. Yeah. This also cures cancer and does all that cool stuff too. Right. Um, and it's $6. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the retailers are going to want fifty percent margin. What should my margin be at the end of the day? Like, how much can I expect to make off of that six? So, your oh, as I take a look at this, the six dollars, your direct from a direct margin standpoint, what yeah. you want your percentages to be, right? If you have a six, if you're selling at wholesale at six dollars, you want to have this is going to sound crazy, a minimum of fifty-seven percent, sixty percent direct margin in your in my bank. In yours. In, in your margin, right? Because that, that's before you start to include the freight costs, the cash discounts, and all of that. Mm -hmm. So just, I mean, so your gross margin, after all of that is deducted, you still, you would love to ideally make money. You want to be at a minimum of 35, 40% gross margin. Right? So out of that $6 that you're selling, you better be bringing in about $350 to $4 of that. That's insane. Right. It, se it seems like it, right? So, and then obviously when you start to deduct everything out, you're going to end up at two, about $2.50. You know, this gave me a really good idea to do like a question and answer, like mm -hmm. Facebook live video or something yeah. slash podcast and do three people's unit economics. We should. To break it down. Because that was, that was so hard. And that actually means everything. 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 That, that is the $10 million question, and that's the $10 million answer right there. Oh, my gosh. That makes or breaks your entire business, no matter how much top-line revenue you're bringing in. Oh, totally. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We should totally Yeah. Do well, we should just do a whole <laughs> training. Yes. Let's yeah. do a Facebook Live, okay. and then we'll do a training on it. I'm into it. Oh, my gosh. Okay, cool. Wonderful. Um, I think, I don't know. Did I miss anything important? No. I, like we covered all I think we covered all the basics. Yeah. Okay, cool. Absolutely. I think any more, and I personally would fall asleep. So, like... <laughs> We'll end it here. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm going to put in the show notes where you can find Christina, the link to um, productgurus.com, and then and then any content information she allows me. We'll do it on there. Um, okay, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you.